Welcome to my new podcast where I talk to brewers, distillers and other interesting craftsmen and artists and I guess businessmen. Daily I get the opportunity to chat and meet these interesting people and I thought I'd just record some of our conversation and share them with you so that you can be inspired and just see that it's possible to make a living applying your craft. And in today's show, I want to welcome one of my oldest brewing friends, Peter Dean. Peter is runs the Rawdens estate, where there's a beautiful hotel, and obviously the Nottingham Road Craft Brewery, and now the distillery. And yeah, let's listen to the conversation. This is welcome Peter Dean to the show today. Peter is at Nottingham Road Brewing Company at Rawdon's Hotel in the Midlands. Um, we're sitting here in the, what's it, the Hock, Bo, what Boar's Head Pub? Boar's Head Pub <laughs> at the hotel. And everybody who's been to Rawdon's will know it. That's where you can drink a lovely pint of Notties beer. And But there's a lot of things happening at Notties this year. Um, Peter Dean has just come off his, his best year ever at the Nottingham Road Brewing Company and I think you're also celebrating a, a big anniversary. Yeah, thanks Holger, thanks for having me on the show. The, um, yeah, it's, uh, we've been 20 years now in the industry, um, 21 years, 2017, so our pickle pig is going to be celebrating your 21st birthday, so that's our, rather than do the 20th, we're into the 21st. And, uh, yeah, we were started in 1996, in fact, doing a bit of brewing in 1995, um, but we've, we were like 20 years ahead of our time. You know, the craft industry has only really just caught up in the last few years, thank goodness. That sounds a bit like Gilroy's, 180 years behind the time, or what is, what's, yeah. that, what's his slogan? Well, we've got 20 years experience, <laughs> I think that's, that goes in the brewing industry. What we've we paid the school fees over and over again many years ago, and so I'd like to think we're in a good space at the moment. Um, we've done some major expansion on the brewery, a new tap room and a deck, um, and uh, so I think we're in a really good space with the uh, with the growth of craft beer. So let's let's go back to how this thing started. I can, I mean, I can remember seeing meeting you in the trade uh, uh, twenty odd years ago, and. Um, but there's a story to it. You you arrived in South Africa. When did you arrive in South Africa? Yeah, I was um, I was uh, I d- I'm a carpenter and joiner by trade. So I did my trade in Australia. At 21, my sister was in the South Africa as a Rotary Exchange student um, in a shower, Zululand. So I did what most Aussie and South Africans do. I took two years off and I went to UK. Um, Europe, etc. Um, and then I was going to make my way through overland Africa to South Africa um, to visit my sister and then return to Australia. But um, it didn't quite work out that way. I ended up getting into business in Ashawi for about 10 years um, in the construction industry, building log cabins uh, way up in Zululand, Mozambique and all over the place. Um, in 1993, um, I met my, 1998, sorry, I met my wife, um, 
And so here 1998. I am now. Yeah, 1998. No. Sorry, 88. 88. <laughs> yeah. Well, 1988. Uh, met my wife. Uh, and um, so that was the end of the story. I, I'm still in South Africa since uh, then. So. so you got stuck here. Yep. And Ishawi is also famous for the Zulu Blondes. Yeah, my contacts in Ishawi were the Channels family. And um, we, what happened was when I was in Australia, there was two breweries that were making um, uh, sort of a, their mark in Melbourne and Perth. Um, the Spotted Dog in Melbourne, um, way back in 1982, 80, 90, maybe even 80s or late 70s, about the time that Mitchells were getting their sort of uh, brewing going with Lex. And we, uh, it was in the back of my mind that, you know, that's, that's fantastic, making your own beer. I thought only big corporations had licenses to make beer. So the idea of a craft brewery in Melbourne was really appealed to me. Um, then uh, America's Cup was about 1983 um, and um, Alan Bond and the crowd uh, put Australia on the map when they won the America's Cup and there was a little brewery there called Fremantle Brewing which had taken off making Red Black uh, Vice Beer, funny enough. Um, and they got very, very popular and they were eventually bought out by Carlton United Breweries. Um, that was always in the back of my mind. Then I arrived in South Africa, um, carried on in the construction industry, and uh, then I married uh, Sue Atwood, who was family's had a, a hotel in the Midlands called Rawdens. Um, we fell on a bit of hard times in Ashawi. We were, had a 15-month-old son, and uh, my wife Sue uh, was pregnant with twins, and we <laughs> we went bust <laughs> in the in the uh, the in the switch over from uh, KZM Parks Board to KwaZulu Bureau of Natural Resources and the election and Mandela and they were combining a whole lot of, anyway, so a whole lot of contracts were cancelled overnight. So we took refuge up here at the hotel, at the family hotel, um, which was perfect because uh, by then Sue's parents, Don and Wendy Atwood, who had been running the place since the 70s, had had enough and they said, thank you very much, you can just caretake the hotel um, and 25 years later we uh, we still here um, and in that process uh, um, I'd said to Don hey you know we should be we couldn't get SAB on tap at the hotel because uh, we didn't have the volumes and in those days in the 90s uh, SAB wasn't keen on draft beer it was just about pumping glass Not bottles all, yeah. yeah so we had um, I said to uh, Don Atwood, uh, father-in-law, I said, you know, we must build a brewery here. And he said, well, you know, who's going to run it? And, and I said, well, you know, we, we're here now. So, and he went to, uh, to an auction in about 1995. And it was, uh, um, the little brewery was uh, uh, up for sale there, um, which we went and we bid. And he came home one day and said, hey, we've, we've just bought a little brewery. And what? what brewery was that? Um, um, the one from Durban? Yeah, um, uh, the name just uh, escapes me now, it'll come. And um, uh, funny enough, old uh, um, Mitchell was the brewer there, uh, Andy Mitchell. Mm -hmm. um, and I know where there's a bottle of that, that particular beer in the New Hanover Hotel. Oh, really? So I can drive past there yeah. and <laughs> okay. have a look uh, what it's, it's called. It's irritating me that I can't remember. But Crawford's. Crawford's, yeah, yeah of course. Crawford's. And we actually went to the, to the auction. We bought the, the little test plant, not the big one. And um, Graham Crawford was uh, going to be unemployed after that auction. So we managed to 
coax him into coming with the brewery. Um, we put him up at the hotel here and gave his wife a job, and they actually got the, the little brew house working to a certain extent. But uh, Graham, uh, eventually, he was more a, an engineer and an entrepreneur than a brewer, which is why Andy Mitchell was working with him at the time. Mm-hmm. So he eventually moved on, and we were, had this little 50-litre framework with kegs uh, stacked on top of each other. So it was a four-vessel brew house that had a kettle, whirlpool, etc., Probably the size of a homebrew kit. It was, exactly. It was an old 50-litre kegs okay. with the top cut off. Um, and it worked very well, but we could piggyback, we could piggyback beers uh, and do two to three brews a day. Um, so we would end up with, uh, we built some fermenters, which were 120 litres. So we could do almost two, three 40-litre uh, brews a day. So we'd have 120 litres, which is two kegs after nearly 12, 15 hours work. And that's all because SAB neglected the draft business <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and uh, then uh, then we, we, we were battling a bit because um even uh, graham crawford uh, sort of got us onto extracts rather than uh than full malt full mash um so we heard that there was a, a guy that had retired from sab uh, by the name of trevor morgan and he was busy with a steel and wheel um uh, franchise down in maritzburg and he was very unhappy there after being uh, a top brewer, a chemist in the SAB, he was uh, now fixing wheels and etc. and tires. Uh. So we got hold of him and he said, great, let's come up. So he went from uh, operating some of the biggest breweries in South Africa, down in our cellar, and doing um, full mash now. Um, and our crystal malt, he actually did in a little coffee grinder because he only needed one kilo. <laughs> still had, we still had 50 liters now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so he went from this massive city, trillions of liters to, uh, to doing his crystal, uh, crystal malt in a, in a coffee grinder. Um, and so Trevor joined our business um, and uh, became a shareholder. And then we uh, built the, the new brewery, the 10 hectare liter brewery, where it currently is. Um, but, you know, in those days, there was no real off-the-shelf equipment. We couldn't just buy stuff uh, from a... Uh, from a uh, Eddie Swart or... That's right, yeah. Well, we, we went to a couple of the drink techs in uh, Munich. Uh, we, we went to the drink tech shows and we did the university... Um, I mean, sorry, the, uh, the trade shows. Then we went to the, uh, um, you know, the Oktoberfest. So it was a bit of a double, double bonus. And we had a... Uh, got a lot of experience with what people were doing over there but we couldn't get anyone to manufacture here and the cost of importing was just over the over the roof and there wasn't a lot of micro breweries as they call them there um on offering those days a few from italy um so the other one was uh joseph martin had the farmer's brew house up in uh, danhauser yeah. so we were quite good friends with him so with we went and looked at a lot of breweries and we actually designed and fabricated our own brew house um, everything from the the PLC to the uh, um, the actuators, um, the heating system because we've got a our boiler is quite quite unique that the beer flows through tubes um, in a in a s- outside the uh, the mash tun or the kettle. Um, so we've got a we get a really good hot boil hot break, um, and I think that's one of the reasons it's it's done so well. Um, and Trevor was with us for about 10 years and then unfortunately uh, had stomach cancer and, and passed away. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, and during yeah. this time, you sold mainly at at Rodens. Yeah, we we predict mostly at the hotel here. Um, in those days, I suppose we're only doing about two to three thousand liters a month. Okay. Um, we we then grew quite quickly. We went into the one liter PET bottles. Yes, um, we did it. Steve Floyd from Floyd on Beer was our agent in Joburg in those days. And I think that's about the time when our parts crossed. Yeah, exactly. When, funny enough, just with about two years later, we we purchased the farm next door um, after our brewery was finished. And uh, on that farm came a little house on the edge of the road, which was the old ganger's cottage. Um, so the railway used to actually go in front of the hotel. And... The beer fussel, as it's known now, was the ganger's cottage. So it was, it had five bedrooms and a big lounge, and it was right on the railway line. And the road came from the back. So when we purchased the farm, we thought, oh, what are we going to do with this little house? Mm. Um, and a good friend of ours from Michael House, Ken Shooter, was at that time um, looking to get out of retire from Michael House. So he's, he used to go to Germany or Austria once a year and uh, run a little beer struble uh, during the ski season. So he said, let's build a beer house there. So we said, great, because then we can, all the booze cruisers can go to the fossil and instead of, <laughs> instead of a rawdens. So we, we built the beer fossil in also 1999. Um, okay. And we had... Uh, and but we couldn't make a light lager. Well, we didn't have a light lager. So along came Holger with uh, in your Bavaria days. Oh. <laughs> I was happy to sell you the, the light lager. Yeah, yeah and you were, you were very into it because it was a German theme with the yeah. ice spine and, the, and everything else. So, uh, you know, our paths crossed way back in 99. So it, uh, it's so been I a was, long haul. I was having a discussion with my wife because uh, we also installed Scrumpy Jack. Yep. Do you remember that? Yep, that's right. Yep. And we bartered a keg of Scrumpy Jack for a two-night stay at the <laughs> Rodens Hotel. And, I, and we were trying to work out, is, it was our wedding anniversary, and I was a poor uh, beer rep, uh, not earning anything. So I took a, a, free, a keg of Scrumpy Jack and bartered it for, for a two-night. Oh, I'm still keen to do that now. <laughs> Old, uh, so you say that must have been around 99, 2000. Correct, yeah. I thought it was a bit earlier, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know the we our turnover went up quite quite sharply because we were one of the f only micro breweries in in KZN um, and one of three or four in the whole of South Africa in those days Gilroy's etc. Um, and I think that uh, you know we there was a lot of TV teams came up to do a series on making beer and we had a little black pig here for a while that used to drink the beer and. So we went through a, a really massive uh, um, sort of uh, spike in interest, mainly about the concept of the beer, and but not so much uh, a big beer culture. People okay. would still arrive here, and I would say, do you want a micro beer, as we used to call it in those days? And mm. they would say, well, what's the closest to Castle or Hansa? And we said, no, well, nothing really. But uh, So we actually had to develop our lagers uh, which you don't see very much in America in the craft brewing industry. They don't make lagers and pilsners. Um, but we had to do it here to try and just get some market share to just pay the bills. Um, okay. Because people weren't really ready for the, the porters and the pale ales and vice beer, etc. And uh, do you have any of those uh, those videos somewhere in... in yeah. Oh, do you still no, have I do them? have, you yeah. put those yeah. on, on YouTube. Yeah. Andy so. Mitchell used to be interviewed often. I think okay. they all thought he was... a 
He was the owner because he was often under the oak tree interviewing people on uh, top billing, uh, that type of program okay. anyway. Yeah. And he also owned, uh, they also thought he owned Mitchell's Brewery. Yeah, he, exactly. And he, he ended up managing Mitchell's Brewery in Joburg and then going down to the, uh, to the Cape to uh, Birkenhead. Um, and he was there for about 10 or 15 years. And I think he's the only brewer around that doesn't drink. He only drinks Coke. Oh. So uh, he's now in Adelaide, I think. Yeah, and I met Andy Mitchell when he was brewing Mitchell's beer at Bavaria. Yeah. In Joburg. Uh, yeah, of course. It was too expensive to ship it, I think, from Cape Town or, or Neisner, so he was brewing it at, at Bavaria. And he was utilizing their packaging plant. I think mm. that was the biggest thing, okay. um, that he uh, could get an extended shelf life with a bottle and a crown rather than the PE2 bottle, which was their traditional packing in, uh, in Neisner. Yeah. So let's go and, and see where we are today. You've got the beer fossil, which uh, Sean runs, um, and you've made some big improvements there. You've installed some new lines and stuff. Yeah, we've just done a... Sean basically leases the business there, so okay. it's his business, our asset, and uh, we, we in, uh, assisted him in putting 10, um, or 8 to 10 taps now, because um, so we've got 8 beers with our new... Our latest range is taking off. Mm. We, we keep on thinking, let's bring in a beer just for a, a fun and a season. But it becomes too popular and we can't take it off tap. So we end up now, we've got eight taps after being the boring four for maybe 10 years, 15 years. And I'll swing in some mango, which is a, a mango-flavored uh, um, beer for the sort of... Uh, the new drinkers, something a bit sweeter. Mm -hmm. A cappuccino, which is our porter with a coffee, a cappuccino and, and you've, porter. You've um, teamed up with a with a coffee company there. We have, branding, yeah. yeah. We've which got is quite interesting. Yeah, we've got uh, the local coffee company, um, which is uh, uh, Trebador, which is over the um, just over the freeway. So they're craft craft coffee, coffee craft uh, beer. And I think it's it's a really good combination, and the people so. love it. It's uh, really taken off. So, and then we've got our wombat, which is a summer ale, which is the base for our mango. So we get some cross pollination there, so we can use a couple of beers and make a couple of different um, flavors from. Um, and then, uh, so we've 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 got we've built the range to eight. So now the beer fossil's got all eight on tap, whereas before they used to have four or five when they're bringing mm. a guest tap. So it's tidied it up a lot more. We built a new uh, cold room, um, all new lines, flash coolers. So it's really, and I think they, geez, they did, I don't know how many, about 40 or 50 kegs over Christmas. So um, they are one of our biggest outlets mm. along with Rawdon's. And I think that's probably what we're learning after 20 years in the, in the business is to, if I can give any advice to wannabe um, brewers, is that the brew pub is the way to go. Yeah. You know, to, unless you're going to spend 120 million like the CBCs and the Darlings and really go into competition with uh, with Vintalk and SAB, um, and you have a shelf life on your beer, you have the up latest packaging um, equipment with uh, double evacuated uh, air, CO2 dosing, crowning, um, pasteurizing, then you really are taking a chance mm. putting beer into the market in a mass way. So if you can just, we've, with our deck, um, we're doing beer on our deck straight from the brewery, or you can come that's down to the hotel. That's a new development at the hotel, huh? Yeah, that's at right. The yeah, not landing. So we've got a, we're just trying to, when I was in America at the last Brewers Conference, I, I, I 
noticed that we probably, compared to the breweries in the States, we're not being, we want to make the brewery more inclusive to the public. Whereas before it was the brewery, the shop, come down to drink at Rawdon's. So now <coughs> we're encouraging people to have a beer at the brewery and maybe have a private function up on the new deck. So I think it's going to be a, a real... Um, a real winner and I think that if people can who want to guys that want to build a brewery can add and get as much of the retail market as possible without going wholesale um, I think that's the the avenue to to success yeah. so low turnover high margins and, and your business is I mean essentially you've always been a hotelier it's a hotel first and then the brewery is an addition so you once said to me you don't want a factory on next door to the hotel but uh, it's changed slightly because uh, the the factory is interesting, and it's uh, you know you've you've developing that part a, a little bit now. Yeah, you know one of the biggest problems with uh, with expanding the brewery too much into the uh, packaged beer market and is forklifts, uh, glass bottles, pallets, mm. and it becomes uh, very intrusive on the on the, on the, on the hotel guests. We have got we've got a, a full glass bottle range now, which we took years to to get onto the bandwagon with that, mainly because of the the weight of the bottles yeah. and the noise it used to make. Um, but I think uh, the 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 people like to see, particularly the brewing process, they like to see the steam coming out, yeah. doing your gravities, um, talking to the brewer, what beer are you making today, and then they're having one off the tap. So it it becomes. We were doing quite a lot of beer tours with um, um, online, and they were hugely popular. So the people with the interest in in making craft anything these days, I think, is probably it doesn't matter whether you're doing craft meat and mm. you know uh, home salt, uh, home smoked meat, or anything that's craft is going to take off. Anything that the big boys, I feel, that are doing, like bread, artisan mm. bread, artisan cheese, beer. Um, I think that's the future. People want to go back to the basics and they yeah. want to be able to know where it's come from. And especially if they're on holiday, I guess. If they, when did, when did the, the whole Midlands Meanders thing start? Um, the Meanders started um, with uh, three guys, uh, Adrian McWilliams, who managed the hotel in the 80s um, until we arrived in 93. He was one of the founding members. And it was actually Don Atwood who um, said to him one day, you know, what's, what's there to do in the Midlands? We need to get something up here for um, for the for the guests to come and see. Mm. So they came up with this idea that there was a there was a meander up in the northern province somewhere, and they said, "Oh well, let's do a Midlands meander." And so that was actually how the Midlands meander started: was let's get a few of the arty, crafty people, the potters and mm. the cheesemakers, and put a, the meander together. And I think that the brewery has now become probably one of the biggest stops yeah, on the meander. Definitely. Um, now there's a couple more breweries, Lions River um, and uh, Old Main Brewery, etc. Um, if we can get enough breweries up here to make it a, a real beer destination, mm. um, I think that it's it'll grow the industry and everyone will do quite well out of it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you planted the the word ale trail with me about two or three years ago when I was doing the beer book. And I think that that's become quite a nice kind of concept to to organize the ale trail because most craft brewers make or want to make ale rather than than lager. So I think it's quite a fitting thing, and it's nice to see that you welcome other brewers into the area. Um, 
I think I, it's a good thing. I think it's it's fantastic. You know, you, when you go to a car yard, you want to go to four mm. or five car yards. You know, I think they feed off each other. And I think the, the concept of uh, the brewery feeds off each other because you'd like to go around and taste three or four places within a couple of days or yeah. a day. And um, so I think the, the, the concept of the ale trail, um, it's like in Cape Town, if you could only go and drink Boschendale. Mm. Um, wine yeah. it would make the wine route uh, very boring yeah so the more the more and it keeps us on our toes as well you know when, yeah. the, when um the new competition comes into the area um you've got to really be be uh um inventive keep keep the interest in your yeah. own product and i think that's what we didn't do for a long time we we only had four beers and we yeah. sort of we went through the ups and downs of the uh, craft industry where it was up and then it went flat and then mm. 2008 it dropped because people didn't have money and goodness the growth of craft beer in the cape particularly when that started four or five years ago um has uh, really just given people the insight to go and look for more beer so the more breweries in the midlands the, the, the better. better yeah and potentially we've got old main brewery in hilton at the old crossways hotel then lions river which is not quite ready for for the public um there's something happening at uh, Belgowan mm -hmm. and then yourself. Yep. And Blueberry Hills is also, there's talk of something happening there. Yep, Blueberry Hills was talking about quite a big outfit, yeah. um, which I think has uh, been reduced in size a bit, okay. mainly because I think the they're also in a, a very green area and mm. so the licensing becomes a big issue. Okay. Um, so it's a... No, I think it's uh, it's we're in for a good 2017. Yeah, so yeah, so we're looking forward to a good celebration. Yeah, um, 21 years of the pig's 21st birthday, as John says. And uh, what else is in store for Nottingham Road Brewing Company or yeah. for Rodens? Well, we're in an exciting stage at the moment. I think, um, particularly um, with the, looking at the artisan side, mm. is that we, you know, the craft gin market and craft whiskey is really taking off and I noticed that when I was in the States as well particularly the craft whiskey to the extent that you go to a lot of restaurants now and they only sell craft whiskey they don't sell a lot of your traditional um, blended whiskeys you know your Johnny's etc mm. uh, people are actually going out and saying what is your local whiskey so okay. we have now um, we've got a little still that we've been we put together with a guy called Peter Weiss it was his dad's little still so we're doing some trials at the moment. We're still not ready to go commercially. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little 50-litre pot still, so it takes me back to the days when we were doing our 50-litre brews litre down beers, in the yeah. cellar for our beer. And uh, But, boy, it's been fun. We, have, we put together a little 500-litre, because, um, you know, the beer base is what you need to make whiskey because it needs to be a malt, a full-grain okay. um, bourbon would be rye and um, malted barley for whiskey. Um, and that is the base for, for gin and vodka as well. So with one base, we can actually produce three different uh, um, styles of, of uh, spirits. So we've done a few trials. We've got our first whiskey in the, in the barrel with on oak. Um, it needs to sit for three years, so that's a bit of a long haul. So we're thinking we'll just put 10% of our, our, our production into whiskey and forget about it put it into the pension fund mm -hmm. um, our first gin we, we've done some, some magnificent trials uh, or great trials with flavour um, and we've got uh, uh, with, a, with the help of Peter 
advice. And, and by the way, it was his father's little still, so mm. it's like a hundred years old, okay. and it's got a bit of a soul that really makes good stuff. And uh, so we made about uh, a few liters, and we put into three batches, and we did a high juniper content in one, high citrus in the other one, and high uh, um, herb or botanic flavor in the third, which includes things like lavender, rosemary, and etc. And then we did a um, spend an afternoon just doing some trials, mixing those at different ratios to get a to get. And I think it's really tasting great. So we've now we've got a little shop. Those who know uh, Rawdon's, there's a little shop called Squirrels that's sort of been closed for a couple of years. Um, a little home decor shop. So we've gutted that, and we're turning that into the little distillery. Um, and uh, with our tap room onto our deck, we'll then offer our four latest uh, craft beers um, and our gin and one day our whiskey um, and vodka and you can also do honey mead you can so th- really we have got the uh, the potential to um, to to do anything um, in the in the you know in the in spirits or in beer um, and even ciders Okay, that's. I mean, it's a lovely story, and um, I mean, if we look at you, Peter, you started your life off as a craftsman, um, carpenter, and now you're crafting your living, crafting nice beers and nice gins, and hopefully soon some whiskey. Um, yeah, it's it's a really nice story, and where we all know Rawdens, we can find the beers here. Um, have you got a few other outlets where people can taste your beers? Yeah, we've got, I mean, obviously the beer fossil and we've got, yeah. um, the tap room provides quite a few places in, in Joburg. Okay. Um, in saying that, we, we were in a lot of places in Joburg, but with you the were, growth yeah. of craft industry, um, the the need for places like uh, Beer House, etc., to bring on new brands the whole time um, requires us to keep reinventing ourselves mm. for for us to get tap space in those places because they they want you know they're about craft beer and they want to the people that come there need to taste new beers every time they come almost you know so it's a it's i'm reluctant to get too much out into the market mm. um, the temptation to go down to cape town is huge, huge. but it's logistics you know mm. you've got to keep the cold chain going the whole time it you've got to if you send down stainless steel kegs you've got to get them back if you send down pet kegs you have the problems with uh, puncturing and uh, beer quality so i'm i keep on saying to myself just stay small stay local um spend money on the property and mm-hmm. get peop- more people to the hotel yeah. um, rather than becoming um a, a, a big brewer and chasing numbers um and then people come down and say, oh, yeah, but we need you in Cape Town. And I'm mm. thinking, oh, maybe we should go to Cape Town. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, a, um, it's a real difficult one. You know, yeah. it's uh, the coffee, the coffee porter in particular is something that, that could do well um, for a year in Joburg and Cape Town. So maybe to send one of our brands down there just as a, as a, um, a pilot sort mm. of uh, release would be fine. But it's, uh, I just know that uh, when you start chasing turnover... Um, you know, uh, if you look at the the big brewers at CBC and Darling, mm. they do, they tend to get t- t- wound up in their volumes rather than the having fun making beer. You how many kegs have we sold yeah. today? And having big meetings with all your shareholders trying to justify the, you know, the expense. So th- I think it's there's definitely two sides to it. Yeah. Stay very small, 
will get very big. And that's, uh, yeah, otherwise it becomes eating soup with a fork, isn't it? Exactly. There's no profit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just the ch chasing turnover is probably the biggest uh, mistake most most uh, SMEs make. And then, you know. you, yeah, and you have a few special speciality outlets in Durban that you service, like Hillcrest Tops. Um, there's a couple of other tops in Durban North. So. Eastman's, um, the new ones. We've, uh, once again, you know, it's, you look at the small brewers who are looking at expanding into those mm. markets to go that next step requires um, a, a staff member full-time it requires cold rooms it requires trucks um, it requires 10 to 15,000 rand per outlet to set up chillers mm. taps etc and all of a sudden you I mean you don't have to be a, a brain surgeon to see if you can if you can sell to the public at 70 rand a litre instead of selling to the trade at 20 rand a litre, you know, you can sell half the volumes and still get yeah. the same profits. And I think that um, the you mustn't be too tied up in trying to get into lots of outlets because they're all going to phone you on Saturday and say there's a problem with the beer. Unless you've got the backup staff like an SAB or uh, to actually go and service those outlets, um, you're just going to do injustice to your mm -hmm. product, and you've got to. It's all about looking after the brand. Mm -hmm. You know, if people don't find it everywhere, but when they do find it, it's extra special. Then I think that's that's, where that's you probably be. the way to be. Okay, good. Nice to chat, Peter. And I think we're going to let you go there. Perfect. We'll go and make some more gin. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Wow, it's been. It's been a long slog for Peter Dean and his family. 21 years from a 50-litre brew kettle to what they have now. And the quality of the beer is really good. Really exciting stuff happening at Nottingham Road Brewing Company. So, guys, please, next time you're in the Midlands, pop in at Rawdon's and at the Beer Fossil and just see what's happening there. And... When you pop into the little shop at the brewery, look out, there's, there's copies of the beer book for sale. And that means the next one's on me. Yeah, there's nearly 80 free beers in the beer book. So grab a copy and every time you visit one of these little breweries, you can get a beer for free. And that really pays for the beer book. Peter Dean, thank you for creating a piece of heaven for all the beer lovers in the Midlands. And we look forward to your dream of creating an ale trail in the Midlands Meander. Thank you and we'll see you on the ale trail.